Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, turn it to 2 Kings, the second chapter. I'm going to start reading in verse 1, and we're going to go through 14 verses together. And I ask that you would bear with me because we're going to dig out of this text some important keys that will help us move into the people that God has called us to be. And we're studying a topic called double portion. It's the life of Elisha. And today's subtopic is going to be mentors and moments. Can you turn to the person next to you and say mentors and moments? Both are very important in your life. You've got to understand the moment you're in. You've got to learn how to seize the moment, not let it pass you by, but not just the moment. We all need a mentor. We need somebody who can coach us, somebody who can help us, somebody who can give us some wisdom to take us into a season that is far beyond our age and our years and our personal experience. That's the powerful thing about a mentor. If you get a mentor with enough experience, they can take you far beyond where you naturally are. And so 2 Kings, the second chapter, verse 1, the Bible says, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophet who were in Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, Hey, don't you know that today the Lord is going to take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know it, but just keep quiet. Verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. I want you to understand the importance of faithfulness. When you find someone worth following, follow them with all your heart. When you find someone worth following, honor them with everything that you have because it is your faithfulness to follow and your honor that draws from them the gift that is inside of them. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Every single person has a gift placed inside of them by God for the benefit of the body, being the church, which means there's something inside of Jimmy that God has placed for my benefit, for my good. There is something that is placed, God has placed inside of me for your benefit. Are you following me? But the only way to tap into the gift is to honor the gift. If you look at Jesus when he goes to his own hometown, I've taught on this many times, the people in his own hometown did not receive a miracle 
from Jesus. It wasn't because he wasn't capable of doing a miracle. It's because they did not recognize him. And because they did not recognize him, they did not honor him. Somebody say, honor unlocks the gift. So Elisha says to Elijah, I don't care where you go. You can go to Gilgal, you can go to Jericho, you can go to Bethel, you can go to Jordan. I am following you because you are God's anointed. I recognize what God has placed inside of you, and I want what is inside of you to get inside of me, and I'm going to follow you until I get it. Are you with me? And he's faithful. I'm looking for people like Elisha who will stand with the call that God has for this church. That no matter where we go, no matter what we do, I'm there. Not in word, in deed. Don't ever tell me I'll be with you. Don't ever do that. I've, I've grown up in church, man. I've seen people tell my dad, I don't care where you go, pastor. If you go to the gates of hell, I'll go with you. They moved the church from Atlanta to Cobb County, and I guess that was a little further than hell, and they didn't go. <laughs> so anybody that says, I'll never leave you, I mark them, because they're usually the first to leave. So Elijah said to him, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty of the men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they were both standing by the Jordan. So Elijah and Elisha, they're together. They're in close proximity to one another, but the other prophets are standing at a distance. Now, this is an important key to understand because there are people who will stand at a distance and witness what God is doing, but the only way to experience what God is doing is to get close to it. See, you can witness from a distance someone's worship. You can witness from a distance someone's praise, someone's prayer. Or you can get close enough to where their praise becomes your praise, their worship becomes your worship, their ability to pray becomes your ability to pray, and the closer you get, the closer you get to the promise. So he went, 50 of the sons of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them and They were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you. I love this. See, Elijah has been testing Elisha for years. He's been training him. He's been working with him. And now he knows God's about to take me. And so I'm going to tell you to stay here to see how faithful you are. But Elisha passes the test. And because of that, Elijah says, now tell me, what can I do for you? And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw him no more. Then he took 
hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah. This is not a part of this particular sermon, but that drew my attention this morning as I was reading it because he took the old and stripped himself of the old so that he could take up the new. You can't walk into the fresh things that God has for you holding on to the past, holding on to the old. You've got to let it go. Somebody said, let it go, let it go. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water. Where did he learn to do that? Anybody? He learned it by watching Elijah. And so now he takes the cloak, the same cloak, the same river. He strikes it. And he says, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. Understanding moments and mentors is very important because there are moments in our life that take us from one place to the next. As we looked at this story, you're seeing Elisha go from being the servant and follower of Elijah and stepping into his call. Up until this point, he had done nothing, no miracles, no great things, nothing recorded. The only thing he did was serve and follow. But I want you to understand this morning that you can never step into what you are not willing to follow after. That's an important phrase. You can never step into what you are not willing to follow after. King David pins in one of the Psalms, he says, my soul follows hard after you. Talking about God, my soul follows hard after you and your right hand upholds me. So you got to catch this. David was upheld by the mighty, powerful hand of God, David experienced the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the favor of God, and the blessing of God because he was willing to follow hard after God. You can't step into what you're not willing to follow after. Many times we want the promise of God without going through the process. And it is the process, catch this, it's the process of following and serving that leads us into the promise. See, many times we are looking at this. We're looking at the promise. We're looking at the moment that we receive the double portion. But Elijah, listen, Elisha did not receive the double portion in the moment that he saw you got to catch this. He didn't become and receive the double portion in the moment that he saw Elijah go into heaven. It started way back here when he decided, I'm going to leave the oxen to follow and serve this man. It was a moment that he perceived that led him to the moment to where he could become the person that is ready to handle the double portion anointing. Your life is always made up of moments and seasons that lead you to the next moment. And whatever you see here starts somewhere way back here. 
See, right now in my life, I'm a father of three girls. I have a wife. That's where I am now. But this moment didn't start here. This moment started way back here when I was 15 years old in a high school classroom making goo-goo eyes at a girl across the room. And as I peered deep into her soul, she fell in love with me. And that moment, that moment has led me to where I am now. But I would not be here now without understanding that moment. Your life is the sum total of the seeds you sow. Catch that. Your life is the sum total of the seeds you sow. The seeds you sow in this moment produce what you receive in this moment. So if you don't like what you see in this moment, you've got to change the seed you're sowing. Because what you have sown has led you to where you are. Are you following me so far? So if I continue to sow the same seed, I'm going to continue to receive the same result. That's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, yet we do it all the time. We see our marriage in a pattern that we don't like, but we don't change the seed we're sowing here. We see our finances in a pattern we don't like, but we don't change the seed that we're sowing back here. But if I can understand that I am in a moment right now, it may not be where I want to be, but there is a moment right now that if I can understand and perceive and realize there's some seed in my hand that I can sow into this moment, it will lead me to the moment where I can walk into the promise. This understanding of seed time and harvest has completely changed my life because I understand the future I want is declared by the seeds I sow. Are you hearing that? The future I want is declared by the seeds I sow. I don't get to this moment without sowing the right seed. My marriage will never be what I want it to be unless I sow the right seed. My children will never become who I want them to become unless I am sowing the right seed. I can't get in the moment and get frustrated with things not being where I want it to be because I'm the one that has sown the seed. We've got to understand that right now, every day that we live is a moment to set us up for our future. And I can determine my future by the seeds I'm willing to sow. Elisha determined the double portion the moment, years before, when he said, I perceive a gift on that man's life. And I'm going to follow. And I'm going to serve. And I'm sure there's moments it didn't make sense. I'm sure there was moments it was difficult. I'm sure there's moments he had to wake up early and travel somewhere he didn't want to travel. But the moment was needed to get him to the place that God wanted him to be. Listen, God has amazing things available to each and every person in this place, and he has placed the seed in your hand. You've just got to recognize it and release it. The problem is many of us will never release the seed to get to where we want to be. Somebody say moments matter. Moments make you. 
moments make you. You are where you are because you made a decision in a moment. And that decision has led you. The struggles that you have in this moment, the addictions you wrestle with in this moment, all started somewhere back here. Once I understand that, it gives me the ability to change what is going to happen in my future because I can alter it. Please catch this, especially some of you that are younger. If you'll catch this and understand the power of the seed you sow in the moment, it's going to produce a harvest. The Bible says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever. Somebody say whatever. Whatever a man sows is what he's going to reap. If you sow deception, somewhere you're going to face a moment in life where that deception will catch up to you. Whatever it is you sow, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So if I recognize that, I've got to change the seed. Somebody say change the seed. So Elisha perceives the moment. And he begins to follow after Elijah. But it wasn't just a moment that he needed. He also needed a mentor. Someone say a mentor. When I started thinking about this day and this message, the first verse that came to my mind was verse 12 of 2 Kings, the second chapter, where Elisha cries out when Elijah's taken. He says, my father, my father. And that struck me because I realized Elijah is not Elisha's dad. Are you following this? He's not his dad, yet there's something about Elijah that Elisha recognizes as a father. Before he can become the man that God has called him to be, he needs a mentor, someone who can train him, someone who can shape him, someone who can show him what to do, somebody who can give him some wisdom to get him from this moment to the moment where he's ready to handle the thing that God has called him to do. And he recognizes that within Elijah. And Elijah becomes... His mentor, he becomes his coach, he becomes his confidant, he becomes a father to him. And as we celebrate Father's Day, I want you to understand that being a father is more than just producing babies. Most of anybody can produce a baby. But just because you bring a baby into this world does not make you a father and it does not make you a mother. Elijah, Elijah was not Elijah, Elisha's dad, but he saw him as a father because there was something about his nature. There was a fathering nature. Elijah was willing to invest into Elisha, and that's what a father does. A father empowers those under him to go farther than he went. A father empowers those under him to succeed him. This is important to catch. Because Elijah understood. Elijah understood that his call and his purpose would outlast his lifespan. The vision that God had given him and the things that God wanted to accomplish through him were far greater than the numbers of years he had on this earth. 
So Elijah goes and he finds this guy named Elisha. And he starts training him. He starts investing into him. He starts coaching him. He starts mentoring him. He starts showing him what works and what doesn't work. He starts showing him how to handle difficult situations. Because how many of you know you're going to face difficult situations in life? So Elijah is molding him and making him. That's what a mentor does. A a, a mentor works with you until he molds you and makes you and helps you become the person that you need to be so that you can succeed where they were. That's how the kingdom of God operates. See, sometimes we got in our mind that we want those under us to have to go through what we went through because that's what made me who I am. And so I want them to do that. And all we're doing is recreating the will, and that's not kingdom. Kingdom is I lay a foundation, and now I train you to build on the foundation I laid, not continue laying the same foundation because if we're laying the same foundation, we get nowhere. Elisha was able to carry a double portion and take the call farther than Elijah was able to because he had been trained by Elijah for the moment. So the same call, the same spirit, when Elijah goes, it stays. And Elisha's ready to pick it up and build upon what Elijah has placed. That's kingdom. The Bible says one man sows, another man waters, then God brings the increase. One generation will cut a path. The next generation should pave the path. The following generation should travel down the path. See, I am a product of those who mentored me. I am here right now doing what I do because those who took what they had and invested into me. As a matter of fact, a lot of the vision that my grandfather had that God placed in his heart for ministry, he did not see through himself. He saw it through my dad. And now, although he is in heaven, he stands here and he preaches with me because he invested in me. And so Elisha's success as a prophet was Elijah's success as a prophet. That's what you've got to understand. When you make something happen for someone else, God rewards you the same way he rewarded them because you took the time to mentor and to take what you have and place it inside of them. There's no reason for those coming up under us to experience the same mistakes that we experienced. They should have the wisdom to not do what we did. And if they are repeating the same patterns that we set, then we're not being a proper mentor. We're not leading them in the way that they should go. Listen, mentoring is messy, and sometimes mentors are a mess, which means you may have some issues, you may have some problems, you may not be where you need to be, but you can still be a mentor. You can still be honest with your kids and say, hey, I want you to know, this is what I, here's some decisions that I made. And here's the consequences I had to deal with. See, we don't want to do that. We want to try to sometimes try to hide things from our kids. That's not good. It's not healthy to hide things from them. It's more healthy to say, hey, this is what I learned. This is what I gained. And if you can pull this into your life, you don't have to experience the things I've experienced. My father He's a great mentor, but he's not a perfect man. I mean, there's a lot of his life that he has messy situations, but he was always open and honest with me enough so I could learn from his mistakes so that I don't have to repeat them. Because if I repeat his mistake, it's no longer a mistake, it's a choice. 
If I choose to follow the path that brought pain to him, it's not a mistake for me because I've been taught that I don't need to go that way. I remember one night I was about to go out and I was about to go do something. I was being sneaky. I was being mischievous. And I told my dad, I said, I'm going to do this. And at the time, I was old enough to make my own decisions. And my dad said, son, he said, you're a grown man. He said, you do what you want. He said, but I've been there. He said, this is going to cause you a lot of pain. I heeded his warning. I heeded his warning. And it kept me from some pain. My dad was always that way with me. He was always very, very honest. He'd say, son, if you go do this with a girl, he said, here's the consequence. He said, and you're going to deal with that consequence. He said, you understand me? He said, you don't have to marry him. He said, but you will. You will take care of that. And so I understood the reality of things. He was very frank with me. He was very honest with me. And because of that, he kept me from some things that I could have stepped into, some things that could have been harmful for me, some moments that could have been life-altering. Did I always get it right? I almost said, hell no. But I won't do that because this is 11 o'clock, real religious crowd. No, I haven't always got it right. But now for me to be a mentor, I've got to confront my mistakes and try to help my kids and others that I influence not make the same mistakes that I made. They need to understand the pain of my path. Are you hearing me? So you can be messy and still be a mentor. Elijah had some mess in his life. Elijah had some frustration in his life. Elijah had moments where he wanted to give up. Elijah had moments where he prayed that God would take his life, but he learned how to lean into God in those difficult seasons, and through that, he's able to train Elisha. Here's how you handle difficult situations. My question is this, how are you leading those under you to handle difficult situations? Because they're watching. You either handle it with faith or you handle it with fear. They're watching. They're learning. You're training them. And they will get a double portion of whatever they walk into. Whatever you are allowing, if they take hold of it, just like the double portion can be for good, they take hold of it, they can take that thing and turn it into a double portion for evil in their life. We've got to be careful what we're doing, how we're training. Everyone has influence over someone. Whether you're a father, mother, grandmother, grandparent, whether you don't have kids, there's somebody watching you that you are mentoring whether you know it or not. And so we need to make sure that I am a mentor who is worth following. I need to do my best to be a person of integrity. I need to do my best to, to be a person that lives a holy life before God. Again, doesn't make, mean I get it right all the time. But when I make a mistake, I own it. I don't make an excuse. Because your kids or mentees will learn from that too. You either own it or you make an excuse. It's one thing I love about my dad. Whenever he messed up, he'd say, I messed up. He'd say, son, I should have never done that. He didn't make an excuse to say, well, you know, I did that because there was a wound in my life that caused it. No, he didn't blame anybody else. He owned it. And it's taught me to own it. I own my mistakes. And I want my kids to see me own my mistakes. The other day, I popped off. Shouldn't have done it. But, hey, sometimes I get a hot temper. And I popped. I'm one of those, like, nice guys that just lets everything build up. 
And then once it hits, it like all hits at once. Don't catch me on one of those days. <laughs> but I popped and I shouldn't. And once I calmed down, I immediately apologized to those who were around, but I wanted my kids to hear me say, I did wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't have responded that way. I'm training them. I'm showing them what is important and what is not important. Are you following what I'm saying? The Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, I'm laying such an example that if you'll follow me, you'll find Jesus. Because I'm consistently headed in the right direction. Doesn't mean I make, it, make the right choices all the time, but I'm consistently, if I've come off path, I'm getting back on. And people learn that. They learn how to lean in. They learn how to receive grace. They learn how to receive mercy. They learn how to receive the love of God by watching you. There's so much of who I am because I had people who invested into me. I said in the first service, the children's workers at my father's church when I was growing up, I give them so much credit for me being in ministry today because they took the time to invest. They weren't my earthly dad. They weren't my earthly mom, but they were fathers and mothers to me. See, some of you have to understand that just because you don't have a kid doesn't mean you're not a father or a mother. As long as you've got something you can pass down, something of worth you can father and you can mother. My love and value for the church came from the example set by my dad and my grandfather and my family. Before I had a biblical understanding of the value of the church, I loved the church because I saw their love for the church. Before I had an understanding of biblical economics, I learned generosity and how to give by watching their generosity and their giving. Before I understood the biblical principle of mercy and forgiveness, I saw it acted out in my father and my grandfather. Their ability to love and have mercy, kindness, compassion, all of those things are things that trained me. All of those things are things that held me. And when I would go my own way, there was just a hook in my jaw that kept on pulling me back, which is a biblical principle. If you train up a child in the way he should go when he gets old, he won't depart from it. He may try. She may try. But there's a hook there that's been set. There's a constant reminder of who I am in Christ that continues to pull me back. Even to this day, it pulls me back. The prayers of those that went before me that were invested into me are still pulling me back and keeping me on the path. The power of a mentor is important. And if you ever find one worth following, Follow them with everything that you got and honor them with everything that you got and serve them with everything that you got because what is in them and what is on them will get in you and get on you. We need more mentors. We need more people who will set a value system for others to follow. Talk about moments and mentors. Right now, some of you young parents, you're in a moment that is mentoring your child for how they will feel about the house of God and about the things of God. And right now you may think it's cute, it's fun, it doesn't really matter, but I promise you there will come a time that the seeds you sow will manifest a harvest. And when you're older, it will break your heart to see them not serving God, but it's your fault because you didn't sow the right seed. That's a hard pill to swallow. I've seen it happen. 
you know, and I'm all for like Boy Scouts. We got a lot of Boy Scouts at this church, and we got a Scoutmaster that comes to this church. I'm all for the Scouts. So everybody understand? What's the Scouts honor? What is it? Is there a hand sign for Scouts honor, Andy? Scouts honor. I'm for the Scouts. You hear me? But when I was younger, there was a guy that I grew up with that his parents put Scouts before the church. It didn't matter. Scouts to them was more important than the church. When he got older and started a family of his own, guess what he did not do? He did not attend church. He did not raise his family in church. And his parents were brokenhearted about it because they loved God. Not realizing they sowed the seed here. They taught what was valuable and important here, and now he's walking it out. Hear me. You got to get the moment right and be the right mentor in that moment because you're shaping lives whether you realize it or not. We need more mentors. We need people of integrity, people who have a value system to pass on to the next generation, whether it's your child or not whether you're working in children's ministry or youth ministry or you're involved in scouts. I told Jim earlier, I said, Jim, I said, you realize you're a father to those boys? Whether they have a dad or not, you're a father to those boys. You are investing values into them that will carry them into manhood. See, Elisha needed Elijah for a moment. But there came a day that Elijah was taken away. And Elisha had to either be ready or not be ready. See, there, become, there will come a time that you won't be around for those that are under you, and you've got to make sure that they are ready for that moment when that time comes so they can step into your place, take the call of God that is on their life, strike the water, and keep on moving. We need more mentors. We need more mentors. In the first service, I thought about this. Not only do we need mentors worth following, we need mentors who are willing to fight for those who are under them, willing to pray for those who are under them, willing to go to spiritual battle for those who are under them that don't know how to spiritually fight for themselves. They spiritually fight for them. How many of us as parents, we just allow things to happen in our kid's life and never take spiritual authority and dominion over it? God has given you dominion in this world earth and you have the right as a father you have the right as a mother to take every stronghold captive and tear it down in your kid's life you need to be praying over them you need to be telling the devil to get his hands off of them you need to be saying hey your weapons that you've formed against them they're not going to prosper in the name of jesus christ they belong to jesus they belong to the kingdom of god and you have no right or authority in their life that's important we just live so haphazardly. Let's allow things to happen and come upon us and come upon our kids. And, 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 and we show all kinds of worry and panic and fear and mumbling and complaining and crying. And we're training a generation to be sissies, spiritual sissies. I said it. 
We're training. We go to church on Sundays, but we're training spiritual sissies because we have no faith. I've got to be a man of faith so that I can raise some kids that will stand and have some faith so that when they hear bad news, they don't freak out, but they say, I know a God who is able, and I am confident that he will move on my behalf. That's how I was raised. If there was a great storm going on outside, I'm not, I'm not scared of storms now. Like if there's a storm, my wife's like, maybe we should get down to the basement. I'm like, no, I'm going to sleep through it. I learned that from my grandfather. My grandfather would walk out into storms and watch them. There was a tornado coming one day. It was on the path to my father's church. My father was there on a Saturday night. He was praying. He stepped outside, watched the tornado come. As it came to the church property, it went like this came to the side of the building. Once it got past the building, it came this way, got back on course, and went. Newspaper shows it. There's a drawing of the path of the tornado and shows it go around the church. One time, my grandfather was on a cruise, and he was with his brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and a huge storm came up, and his sister-in-law started to panic and started to freak out. My grandfather walked outside. He said, peace, be still. And you know what happened? Peace became still. Because he had faith. He knew how to operate. If I was sick, he'd say, son, go get some Listerine and go gargle it three times in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. (laughs) That's how I was raised. We're not raising our kids that way anymore. We're not. And because of that, we're producing a generation of kids that will get farther and farther away from God instead of building on the foundation that's healthy They'll build in the wrong direction, and the next generation follows, the next generation follows, the next generation follows. We've gotten so far away from the kingdom of God and the principles of God. It's scary. And I'm not scared for myself. I'm not worried for myself. I'm okay. But I do think about my three little girls who are one day going to grow up to be women and have kids of their own. And if I don't make these moments count, as a mentor, I'm setting them up for failure. Please hear what I'm saying. I am a product of people generations ago who believed God. I'm the product of an Armenian people who escaped persecution because they heard a word from God and they moved on that word. I'm the product of a man who had extreme faith. Extreme faith. One time, my great grandfather, he hurt his back and he wasn't able to work because he hurt his back so bad he couldn't even stand up straight. And the family, he was the provider for the family. There was nothing he could do. He couldn't go to work, couldn't make money for the family, couldn't feed the family. He wouldn't accept government assistance. That was my great grandfather. Yeah. Now, he didn't want nothing from the government. So my family got around. You know what they did? They prayed. His back straightened up. He went back to work. That's the same power that's available to us. My older brother, he had a planter's wart on his foot when we were kids. I'm just telling a story. I didn't even tell this in the 930 service. When I was a kid, my, my older brother had a planter's wart on his foot. You know what he did? He went and saw my grandfather. My grandfather prayed. That thing fell off his foot. That night, fell off his foot. That's how we were raised. We were raised to believe. We were raised to trust God. We're raised to believe that he is in control of all things. Nothing happens 
without his permission. He and the devil aren't in some eternal space doing an arm wrestling match. He's already won. And he has put him under our feet. Not just Jesus' feet, under our feet. We've got to start taking dominion and authority over the work of the enemy in our family, in our communities. But that doesn't come, hear what I'm saying, that, does not, that kind of authority does not come from people who just attend church. That kind of authority comes through people who have connected themselves to the living, resurrected Christ, who are following hard after him, that know him. If you don't know him, you are in trouble when things come. Are you familiar with the sons of Sceva? They see a demon-possessed guy, and they decide, hey, we're going to go deal with this. And they say, hey, you know, we cast you out in the name of Jesus whom Paul serves. And that demon looks at him and says, Paul we know, Jesus we know, but who are you? See, it's not just about knowing some words and trying to throw it together in a prayer that brings power. It's knowing God. It is knowing God. And, and the older I get, even though I'm still young, the older I get, I'm, coming, I'm getting closer and closer to this understanding of that's what matters. It is his presence. It's not, it's not my ability to preach. God does not care about how good I preach or how, how eloquent the sermon was. You care. He doesn't. He, can, he cares about where's my heart and do I trust him? Do I believe him? Will I follow hard after him? That's what matters. And that's what will bring a demonstration of the kingdom into my life. This morning, my computer, well, first off, this is kind of funny. I'll let y'all go after this story, I promise, so you can go Father's Day barbecue. Last night, I got home. I drove in from out of town. I'm actually on vacation right now. I don't know if you're aware of that. I drove in from out of town to come to church. I'll leave after church, go back. Um, and I got a CPAP machine. And when you wear the mask, you can't really talk with the mask on. And if you do, it doesn't make any sense. And so when I laid down, I told Alexa, I said, Alexa, play this song. And so she started playing that song. And I was like, oh, that's a good song. So I said, Alexa, repeat. And so then I put my mask on, not realizing that she would continue repeating the song over and over and over again. And I couldn't tell her to stop because of the mask. And so I'm up till 3 a.m. I'm up till 3 a.m. listening to this song over and over and over again. And I was too lazy to get up, take the mask off. It's just, it's just a process. And so I got very little sleep. I get up out of bed at 6 a.m. I go downstairs. I start preparing to get my mind right, pray, get into the, the message, the outline, all that stuff. My computer crashes. I have no outline. Still have no outline. If you open this, you see the Bible, and then I wrote down, didn't only need moment, need inventor. <laughs> Worth following, mentor's fight. That's what I wrote down on that piece of paper. I said, God, I said, I trust you. I said, it doesn't matter how good I am anyway. It doesn't matter. I said, you've never failed me. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. I believe that you'll be here with me. And I feel his presence in this place. I feel his presence in this place. And some of you today, as I'm talking, you're thinking, you know what? I didn't have the kind of example that you had. I didn't have the kind of mentors that you had. And I'm here to tell you it's okay. 
you can be the first link in the chain. You can change everything. doesn't matter who your dad was or who your mom was. If you were in Christ, you're a new creation, which means you have a new DNA. And you don't have to follow the patterns or the example that was set before you. You can learn from their mistake. You can observe their failure and say, I'm going to go in a different direction. If you've seen the pattern of failure in your parents, learn from it and don't follow it. You have the ability to influence someone in the right direction. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are, you have the ability. You have the ability. I told my little girl the other night, my middle child, I said, don't ever stop being you. I said, when you get older, I said, there are going to be people who are going to try to alter you and try to change you. And I said, don't allow that to happen. Always be you. Be a person of integrity. Be a person of joy. Be a person who is sold out. Be a person who loves God. Well, people will want to accept me. Who cares? I don't give a flip. Care who gives a flip if people like me or not. You know what the key of cool is, Kara? Confidence. And I may not be the best looking person in the room, but I'll always be the best dressed. Remember that. Father, I thank you for every person that's in this place. And I did win best dress in high school. Also most talented. And I thank you for that, God, but I'm just kidding. Father, I do love you. I do honor you. I do praise you. And for every person that's in this place, God, I'm asking that you would touch them in a mighty and a powerful way. I'm asking that you would do something new in their life today. I'm asking that you would do something exciting in their life today. God, raise them up and show them that they can be who you've called them to be. They don't have to follow the pattern of the world. They don't have to follow the pattern that was set by the generation in front of them. They can be a new link in a chain that says this is how we live. This is how we follow. This is how we serve. This is the value that we hold. We hold a value for the kingdom of God. We hold a value for the church of the living God and the assembling together. Father, touch their hearts and their lives today. Mend the brokenhearted and bring healing to their physical bodies. And Lord, on this Father's Day, I ask that you would bless each dad that is in attendance today. Help them to grow into the man you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen.